If you can believe it, we are less than two weeks away from opening day, and I, for one, am incredibly excited about the 2023 Orioles season. And honestly, I'm ready to get bold about this season. How about five bold predictions for the Orioles 2023 season? That's coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, March 17th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I'm going to get to some bold predictions for the Orioles season, five of them to be exact, bold predictions for the Orioles in 2023. We'll touch on Jorge Mateo. Kyle Bradish, the one of the outfield positions, D.L. Hall and Cedric Mullins coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So let's jump right into it here on a Friday episode. Again, 13 days away from opening day on March 30th when the Orioles travel to Fenway Park to take on the Red Sox. We do know who the Red Sox starter will be earlier this week. They named the veteran right-hander Corey Kluber as their opening day starter. Red Sox signed Kluber to a free agent deal this offseason. It's kind of surprising at this point in Kluber's career that he's starting opening day for the Red Sox, but it seemed like... You know, whatever's going on with Chris Sale injury-wise or whatever, he's just not going to be able to start that game. And somehow, someway, Kluber was the number two option. He is not the Corey Kluber of his old Cy Young days in Cleveland. He's still a solid pitcher, but I think a good way for the O's to maybe start the year with a win. Now, they have not named an opening day starter yet. Brandon Hyde said on Thursday that he is still not ready to name one. He had said previously that after Wednesday's off day, he would think about naming the opening day starter. He did not. In terms of the mixed-up rotation in spring training, Cole Irvin did throw on Thursday and, and pitched pretty well. Kyle Bradish, though, it was supposed to be his day. He still did throw on the backfields, keeping him kind of in line in the rotation, so we'll see how that impacts things. I still think it's going to be Kyle Gibson, but either way, we are 13 days away. So I wanted to get into some bold predictions. Let's get bold here on this episode. And we're not going to steer as much towards, hey, you know, Orioles more team-centric, record-centric things like bold prediction. The Orioles are going to win the AL East in 2023. That would be very, very bold. I wanted to stick to players and performances, what their spots could look like this season and by the end of this season. So let's start with bold prediction number one. I got five of them for you today. And the first one is Jorge Mateo will make it incredibly tough for the Orioles to call up their top infield prospects, and give them playing time in the 2023 season. Now, as I think most of us know, and as I've talked about as I continue to predict the Orioles' opening day roster, none of the you know AAA group of minor league infield prospects, Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, and Connor Norby, none of them are going to be on the opening day roster unless there's a couple injuries between now and March 30th. It looks like those three will be the starting infield in Norfolk to begin the season. Now, there's a good chance that all three of them could get to the big leagues at some point in 2023. I'm thinking maybe first Westberg, then Ortiz, then Norby by the end of the year. But everyone's assumption is that that will happen because the Orioles will start the year with Jorge Mateo on the roster, playing a good amount of shortstop, 
but that his bat will be similar to what it was last season. It will just die off, and there will be a bigger, higher upside with guys like Ortiz and Westberg you know, in that position down the stretch, and they will make that move. But you know what? I think it's pretty bold to say that Jorge Mateo is just going to hold on to that spot. I think first thing you have to do is just play the same great defense. I mean, he won the Fielding Bible Award for the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball last year, was robbed of a gold glove, but should have won it. He was amazing at short. And he still was worth about a three war, despite not giving a lot on offense. About a 220 hitter, you know, struck out a lot, didn't really get on base, only 13 homers. Now he did steal 35 bases to lead the American League, but that was really his big contribution. I mean, he was basically batting ninth every single time he was in the lineup. And now with more Gunnar Henderson and Gunnar showing he can play a good defensive shortstop. Plus Ortiz being what many people think is just a better version of Jorge Mateo and Westberg being there as well. Jorge Mateo is probably feeling those guys on his heels. So my bold prediction is he gets the bat to a point where it can keep him in the lineup all year. He hit 221 last year. Let's say he bumps it up to 250. He had a 267 on base last year. Let's say he bumps it up to 320. He hit 13 homers last year. Let's say he bumps it to 20. And with the bigger bases and the pickoff rules, stolen bases go from 35 to 45 for Jorge Mateo in 2023. If he puts all that together with the same elite, elite defense that he played at shortstop, we're looking at a three-win player going to a four-win player next year. And it's really, really hard to replace a four-win player in the starting lineup of a Major League Baseball team, especially a team that's trying to win some games. And he was better in the second half. I mean, he was still a below average hitter all year, but it was a 72 WRC plus in the first half versus a 94 WRC plus in the second half. I mean, his August was amazing. He tailed off a little bit in September, but the month of August, Mateo was one of the best hitters in the Orioles lineup. I think he could stretch that out a little longer. And that's my bold prediction that he's going to make this decision really tough for the O's because he's going to hold on to that spot as long as possible. Bold prediction number two. Let's move it over to the pitching side. By the end of this season, Kyle Bradish, not Dean Kramer, not Grayson Rodriguez, not another pitcher, Kyle Bradish will look like the easy choice to start opening day in 2024 and be the Orioles' ace heading into the next season. Now, I know a lot of people think that role is going to be given to Grayson Rodriguez. He's going to be in the rotation all of this year. He's going to show how good he is. And by 2024, he's going to be the ace of this Orioles staff. But I think instead it's going to be Kyle Bradish. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know I have been on the Kyle Bradish hype train for a long time. And I'm going to stick to it with this bold prediction. Last year, about 118 innings, a 4.90 ERA for Kyle Bradish. You know, about league average strikeout and walk rates. And we know he was so much better in the second half. He had a 3.28 ERA in the second half. His ground ball rate went way up when he added the sinker and he switched sides of the rubber. His home run to fly ball rate went way down. He was, you know, getting more weak contact. He was throwing more breaking balls. The sinker was better and better against right-handers. More sliders, more curveballs, more effective. Those amazing starts against the Astros down the stretch. I think we'll see 30 starts from Kyle Bradish. I think he's going to stay healthy. We see 30 starts. We see more than 170 innings from Bradish. We see about a 3.50 ERA with a higher strikeout rate than his 22% last year, which is about league average, with a solid walk rate and with him getting deep into games and us just finishing the year saying, we've got a guy who gives us at least six strong innings every time he goes out with really good stuff that pitches with confidence. And I think at the end of the year, we just look at Kyle Bradish and say, you know what? Give him opening day in 2024. 
I think he continues to make that Dylan Bundy trade look better and better for the Orioles, especially as Kyle Brinovich and Zach Peak return from Tommy John surgery at some point in the minors this year. And I just think this is the Kyle Bradish year. You know, he worked so hard this offseason, refining the stuff, getting more shapes on his pitches, you know, working on those breaking balls, continuing to add that sinker. He's got that natural cut on his fastball that's already, you know, in the the mid-90s and can get up at the at the upper 90s at times. And the natural cut works. And you hear this a lot. We heard this from Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun, when he was on the pod this week on Wednesday as we previewed the Orioles starting rotation for this year. And he just talked about how, you know, Kyle Bradish really does model himself after Corbin Burns. And we know Burns is a guy that all of us would love for the Orioles to trade for this season. But as Nathan said it best on Wednesday's episode, maybe the Orioles have Corbin Burns at home. And that is Kyle Bradish. And I don't think he's going to be as good as Corbin Burns. That'd be a really, really bold prediction. But he's got the same kind of stuff and the same kind of rise could happen this year like what happened for Corbin Burns in the shortened 2020 season when he went from just an okay young back end of the rotation guy to a legitimate ace and a Cy Young winner for the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young, but I think we're going to see Bradish have the huge breakout this year that means he's the ace heading into next season. But I still got three more bold predictions to get to. We'll talk a little bit about an outfield spot for the Orioles and about what D.L. Hall could do this year. Both those bold predictions are coming up after the break. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. I am in love with our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM. If you have ever dreamed of becoming an MLB general manager and you just want to sit there and you want to control everything about a professional baseball franchise, well, your dream has come true, and it's Ultimate Baseball GM. You manage every single aspect of a team. You play through the season, and you do everything. You hire your coaches and staff. You manage the team finances. You scout players. You draft players. You manage personalities. That's something that you know people in the front office do as well. You go through free agency, and you go through trades and the deadline and everything that goes into a season trying to win a championship. And this isn't just a silly little game. It's realistic. It's challenging. It'll really challenge you, which makes it even more fun. I've downloaded the app. I've played it. I've gotten into it. And here's the best thing. You don't need Wi-Fi to play either. Once you download the app, you're good to go anytime. And Locked On Orioles listeners, you can get a 100% free boost to your franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So we are rolling through some bold predictions, five of them to be exact, for the Orioles' 2023 season. Talked about Jorge Mateo, talked about Kyle Bradish. Let's jump to bold prediction number three. Bold prediction is the Orioles' starting left fielder by the end of the 2023 season will be a player who is not currently on the 40-man roster. So I think when you look at the Orioles' outfield right now, as it stands, at least what it'll look like at home, you know you'll have Cedric Mullins in center field. And while Anthony Santander is going to play less right field this year, he's still going to play a solid amount out there. And then in left field in that group, you've got you know the pairing of Kyle Stowers and Austin Hayes and questions about what each of them can bring. You've got Ryan McKenna who will play against some lefties and brings the defense and the base running. 
And then you've got options in Taryn Vavra and Adam Frazier, who are both infielders by trade, but who can both play the corner outfield. And I think both will play some corner outfield, probably more so right field than left field, at least at home, because it's a little easier position now with the wall moved back. But they're both still going to play some outfield this year. And it seems like with all those options, you would think one of those guys would emerge as at least closer to an everyday player in that spot, either left field at home or right field on the road. But I'm not sure that's the case. You know, I'm still not sold on Austin Hayes. It's been such a injury-riddled roller coaster career so far with the Orioles. I like Kyle Stowers. I just don't know yet. We still need to see it. Ryan McKenna, I think, is nothing more than a fourth or fifth outfielder. And between Taryn Vavra and Adam Frazier, I just don't know if Adam Frazier is going to be a big part of the team by the end of the year. And Taryn Vavra... I don't know. I just don't think he has the outfield defense to stick out there in an everyday capacity. I mean, it could happen, but you know, he doesn't have the the power potential as well to be a, a complete hitter. So that leaves four possibilities that I think honestly have a better chance of being in that spot. Colton Kowser is one. Yeah, some people have been down on his prospect status this offseason, but he's going to be the starting center fielder in Norfolk when the year begins and have a chance to get to the big leagues at some point this year. He could hit his way there. How about Connor Norby? I know he's a second baseman by trade, but the Orioles have been sticking him out defensively in left field. They did it throughout the 2022 season in Bowie and in Norfolk. And yeah, he's not amazing out there, but he's got some versatility. Now, Norby would never play left field at Camden Yards, but in a road game where it's easier to play left, could certainly see Norby out there. Listen, that bat is tremendous. Connor Norby has hit at every single level of baseball in his life. He just keeps hitting. I think he'll hit his way onto the roster at some point this year and then maybe you stick him out there and just roll with him. Another option is Heston Kerstad. And I know that Kerstad hasn't even played a high minor game. He's never played a game above high A. And he's going to start the year in double A buoy this year. But he had an amazing Arizona Fall League. He's been really good in big league camp with the chances that he's got. And as long as he stays healthy and has a full healthy season for the first time in his pro career... Who says he can't get to the big leagues this year? He said it earlier in spring training. That is his goal, get to the major leagues in 2023. He thinks he can get there by the end of the year, and why not? If he dominates Bowie, he's a little bit older. I don't think the Orioles will be shy in promoting him to Norfolk at some point this year. I think it's pretty much a lock he'll play for the Tides this season. And if he's hitting there too, and the O's have a hole, get him up to Camden Yards. Let him knock balls onto the flag court. Let's see it. And then the last person it could be is it could be a trade. I know when we talk about the trades and the Orioles maybe hopefully adding at the deadline this year, the entire conversation is surrounded about adding a starting pitcher. And for good measure, because you have to think, even though they have some depth and they have five guys set right now, there's going to be injuries and questions and guys will struggle and they still need an ace. They don't even really know who's going to start opening day at this point because there's nothing even close to a clear answer right now. you got to think they're going to need a starting pitcher at the deadline. But... Maybe instead they just go get a big bat at the deadline, maybe a controllable bat, someone, you know, signed beyond the end of the 2023 season. And maybe that's an outfielder that they can go get and bring in and know that that guy will be the everyday left or right fielder and then will be back in 2024 and beyond. Maybe that's how they use the infield prospects is to make the outfield better instead of just doing it for starting pitching. I think it's possible and I, you know, I wouldn't call this the boldest of my five predictions today, but because there's so many options in Hayes, Stowers, McKenna, Vavra, Frazier, all in the 40-man, it's bold, I think, to say that by the end of this here season that somebody else is going to have that role out there.
On to bold prediction number four as we go back to the pitching. D.L. Hall, by the end of the season, will be the Orioles' most feared pitcher by opponents, especially those in the American League East. I would say right now that crown belongs to Felix Bautista. I know it's only been one big league season, but the mountain was ridiculous last year. Ended up being one of the best closers in baseball by the end of the year. Fastball at 100, devastating split change with a solid slider to go with it, just dominating the ninth inning. His stuff is crazy. I think D.L. Hall's stuff from the left side, in whatever role he ends up pitching in for the Orioles this year, could be better. And whether he's a starter, whether he's some sort of bridge fireman reliever, whether he's a one-inning back-end-of-the-bullpen guy by the end of the year, I think whatever role he's in, when he comes into the game, he is going to be the last pitcher that opponents and opposing hitters want to see step onto the mound for the Baltimore Orioles by the end of this year. Now, I still do think he's going to start the year in AAA. I've said it on my roster predictions, at least the one earlier this week on Tuesday. Make sure to go check that one out. Opening day roster prediction 3.0. And I said that I think D.L. Hall, because of the way the Orioles have talked, they're going to start him in the Norfolk rotation and build him up for a month and then make a decision on what he'll do in the big leagues this year. But no matter what role it is, with that fastball from the left side in the upper 90s and that wipeout slider and that changeup, which was honestly his best secondary pitch when he threw it last year, and he still got the curveball as well, I can see him being Josh Hader. I can see him being Blake Snell. I can see him being somewhere in the middle in the bullpen. But either way, it's going to be nasty. It's going to be filthy. And I think we're going to go to the end of the year saying when D.L. Hall is out there, other hitters might legitimately be scared to face him. And no matter what the role is, he's going to be here in Baltimore playing a huge role on this pitching staff. But there is one more bold prediction I got to get to. And I think this one might be my boldest of the five. It's going to be about a certain Orioles center fielder who had a great year then, had an okay year. Now, what will he do this year? My bold prediction, again... It might be the boldest of the five. That's coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We are closing in on the end of the NBA season, getting closer and closer to the playoffs. So now it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Now, I saw a little bit of the Wizards and the Pistons earlier this week, and the Wizards aren't very good. The Pistons are horrendous. I would just take the opponent to cover the spread in any game against the Pistons. That's my best NBA bet for the rest of the season. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I've got one final bold prediction. Coming up on this episode, but first, 
I want to thank you again for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I know I've got my fantasy baseball draft coming up next Thursday night. I am certainly tuning in to Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And we do have that final bold prediction coming up, but just talked about D.L. Hall. There was an update on D.L. Hall from Thursday is that he threw another simulated game, basically live BP slash a sim game, threw 46 pitches. According to Rockabaco of Masson, he threw a lot of strikes. Stuff looked good. I think next step is getting D.L. Hall into a spring training game. We still don't know what the role is going to be once the season starts, but getting him into a spring training game is going to be a really, really positive thing. And again, that bold prediction, he's going to be just lights out by the end of the season. But the fifth and final bold prediction of the day might be the boldest, and it is this. Cedric Mullins in 2023 will be even better than the Cedric Mullins we saw in 2021 and it will result in him getting the first contract extension handed out by Mike Elias at the conclusion of this season. Now, this is bold because it felt like Cedric Mullins hit his peak performance possibility in 2021. You go back there, he hits 291, 360 on base, 518 slugging, 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, a 136 WRC+, a 6 war, he's an all-star for the Orioles, and he just dominates. And then last season, he was still good. He was still an above-average hitter. He was still a really valuable player. Hit 258 last year, 318 on base, 403 slugging. Homer's down to 16, but he still stole 34 bases, a 106 WRC+. plus, Still a 3.4 war, according to fan graphs. Nothing to turn your nose up at. But I think we all know what the number one difference was in Mullins two seasons. I think the number two difference was the power going from 30 to 16 homers, but the number one difference was the performance against lefties. In 2021, he hits 277 against lefties, an 18% strikeout rate, and a 113 WRC plus against left-handers. In 2022, he still hit righties pretty well, and that's why he was still able to be successful, but he was just abysmal against left-handers, and we saw it in the second half of the season, especially down the stretch, Brandon Hyde would either sit Cedric Mullins in favor of Ryan McKenna against lefties, or at the very least, he'd start him but hit him, you know, seventh or eighth in the order instead of leadoff when a left-handed pitcher was starting on the mound. That's how bad it got. Mullins hit just 209, struck out 24% of the time, and had just a 66 WRC plus against lefties last year. He was 34% worse than league average against left-handed pitching last season. And it didn't seem to be a problem in 2021. The first season, he dropped switch hitting and went to just being a left-handed hitter. So it was hitting left on left for the first time. And then for his second year doing it, it seemed like left-handed pitchers figured something out in Mullins' left-handed swing. And we've heard it from Mullins. His number one thing he's working on this offseason is being able to hit lefties better and get back to that level where he was in 2021. And I think he's going to do it. And I think the swing has looked good, you know, seeing the, the little bit of playing time he's gotten for Team USA at the World Baseball Classic, the little bit we've seen him uh, in any of the few televised spring training games this year so far. I feel like the swing looks good, even against left-handers. And I just think it's even larger breakout time. And again, it's going to be hard 
to jump over what he did in 2021. But I'm looking at a Mullins who's going to hit 300 for the first time. Home run total goes back to maybe low 20s, 22, 23. But he steals 40 bases. He gets on base even more, maybe at the 380, 390 clip. And all that put together, he still plays gold glove level defense, steals a lot of bases. And we're looking at eh, maybe a six and a half war season for Cedric Mullins this year. You know, maybe the 25 homers and 35 doubles this year. I think Mullins is just going to go off. And I think it means the O's are going to start to talk extension. Because at some point, the Orioles, if they're not going to bring in free agents, they're going to have to start at the very least paying their own guys to extend them. And we'd love to see it for Adley Rutschman or for Gunnar Henderson right now. But maybe Cedric Mullins is the perfect in-between. Maybe they look at it at the end of the season. He's 28 now. He'll turn 29 in October. So next year would be his age 29 season. He won't be a free agent until after 2025. So we'd have two more seasons after this year that he's still locked up with the Orioles as he continues to go through arbitration at that time. And, you know, he's going to get more and more expensive, especially if he has that good a year. So maybe the Orioles would buy out his final two years of arbitration and maybe add two years onto the end. So it would end up being a four-year extension, maybe worth 80-something million dollars, about $20 million a year for Cedric Mullins. You get him signed and locked up through 2027. I think having Mullins around then would be pretty good for the Orioles. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. And if he plays to that level, you got your centerpiece for four more years in center field. And you're not only building around Adley and Gunner, but you're building around Cedric Mullins at that point as well. I think he's a perfect guy for this Orioles franchise. Love Cedric Mullins. Would love to see him around and, and be an Oriole for life, to be honest. Give me a season that's even better. I know it seems tough to, to think that he could do any better than that, but Give me a Cedric Mullins season that looks even better than his breakout amazing 2021. But those are my five bold predictions for the Orioles 2023 season. Now I turn to you. Jump in the comments here on YouTube and let me know your top bold prediction for the Orioles in 2023. It could be how a certain player does, how a certain position group does. It could be something about the team as a whole, win total or stats. It could be something about like Elias, trades or moves that are made throughout the season. But give me your boldest prediction for the year. And on the pod next week, I'll read some of my favorites and shout out anyone who did leave a comment here on YouTube. But that'll do it for the week here on the pod. I'll be back next week. And when I'm back next week, it'll be the final full week without baseball or at least Major League Baseball that counts. Yeah, next week is the last full week before the week of opening day. It's getting real, real close. Next week on the pod, we're going to preview some more position battles, do some more opening day roster predictions, get you more news and notes from spring training, get you leading up to opening day. But I'll be back on Monday to do all that. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.